the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show, where we're all waiting with bated breath to see what happens next with the weather. In fact, I've invited James Glenn to join me later in the program to talk about what to expect, but the forecasters were apparently right. We'll talk more about that later in the program. And uh, we'll also invite you to weigh in on whether or not we ought to refer to this as Snowvid 21, as one of our coworkers uh, put it, or Snowdemic. That's coming up when we take a look at the lighter side of the news later in today's program. Second hour of the program today, we're going to share the uh, Christian outlook. We'll talk about the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to relax restrictions on indoor worship services in California, the undermining of women's sports as a result of transgender competition, and President Biden's effort to tackle disinformation and domestic extremism with a reality czar. That's coming up in the second hour of today's program. First, we'll take a look at some of the takeaways from Democrats' second day of arguments to impeach citizen Trump. Well, in this second full day, and we're talking about yesterday of making their case for disqualifying President Trump from running again for president, House Democrats reminded the Senate of the Charlottesville riot of 2017 and a plot last year to kidnap Michigan's governor. Not sure how that's relevant to the issue of the president and January the 6th, but the nine House impeachment managers or prosecutors, they kept most of the focus today or yesterday on a mob's attack on the Capitol, but also brought up some of Trump's comments as a candidate for president in 2015. Well, House impeachment managers also said more than once that the cost of beefed up militarized security for the Capitol is expected to cost about $480 million through mid-March. Uh, they argued that the presence of National Guard troops and perimeter fencing was a result of the riot they allege Trump incited, which, by the way, has been extremely overkill. Why they are still there is a big question. Well, it would take the votes of 67 senators or two-thirds majority to convict the president or former president. If Democrats reach that threshold, it would take only a simple majority vote to qualify former President Trump from holding federal office again. The prosecution and the defense each have up to 16 hours to make their case at the Senate impeachment trial for which Senator Patrick Leahy, not a federal judge, has been presiding. Well, the House prosecution team wrapped up before 4.30 p.m. yesterday with about five hours left. Trump lawyers uh, started making their case today and reportedly are only going to spend one day making that case. Uh, as to why former president, now citizen Donald Trump, should not be impeached. A few of the highlights, some of the keys on the third day of uh, Trump's historic second impeachment trial. China, Russia, and Iran seized on the riot at the Capitol to mock America's commitment to democracy and human rights. Representative Joaquin Castro told senators, directing their attention to large screens showing quotes from officials of foreign governments as if 
that should matter to us. They would not say flattering things on the best day in the United States. What message will we send to the rest of the world? We already know the message some of our adversaries took from January 6th. Representative Jamie Raskin, leader of the impeachment managers, uh, called the mob's attack on the Capitol the culmination of the president's actions, saying the insurrection was the most violent and dangerous episode so far in Donald Trump's continuing pattern and practice of inciting violence. But I emphasize so far. Another uh, highlight, if you will, and that may not be the best word to describe, but these were um, moments that gripped the uh, the public's attention. Representative Diane Deguette from Colorado delivered a presentation that included video of violence during the 2017 riots in Charlottesville, Virginia, in which white nationalists clashed with leftist extremist group Antifa. Now, again, how that's relevant to the actions on January the 6th, you'd have to sit through it all, but it was one of the highlights. Another Deguette showed uh, images of rioters on large screens asking uh, rhetorically, looking at these people makes you wonder who sent them there? Well, we know who sent most there through this summer of love and conflating one with the other is a rather peculiar way of trying to make the case to impeach Donald Trump. She answered her own question, said, uh, saying rather that Donald Trump had sent them there, delineating between certain kinds of violent riots as acceptable and others as being deplorable. Um, the House impeachment managers aired clips, as I mentioned. Uh, one of the uh, managers, uh, Mr. Liu, used comments by Republicans and one-time Trump allies in the wake of the attack to prove a link between Trump's words and the violence that erupted. In making a case uh, convicting the president, the former president, and barring him from holding office ever again, Raskin said that it's all but certain that Trump would do uh, would be uh, do nothing differently if given another shot at the White House. Uh, Lou argued that the former president's words followed the breach of the uh, Capitol and made clear he showed no remorse for what uh, took place. And uh, he uh, revealed questions he would have asked Trump if he testified. The president, the former president, of course, declined to testify before a hearing he believed to be unconstitutional. Trump declined that request. Why did the president not tell his supporters to stop the attack on the Capitol as soon as he learned of it? These are questions Raskin said he would have asked the question, asked the president. Why did President Trump do nothing to stop the attack for at least two hours after the attack began? As our constitutional commander in chief, why did he do nothing to send help to our overwhelmed and besieged law enforcement officers for at least two hours after the attack began? And on January 6th, why did President Trump not at any point that day condemn the violent insurrection and insurrectionists? Well, after asking those questions, Raskin, again, one of the Democrat House impeachment managers, posed one legal question to Trump's attorneys. If a president did invite a violent insurrection against our government, as of course we allege and think that we've proven in this case, but just in general, if a president incited a violent insurrection against our government, would that be a high crime and misdemeanor? He asked, asked rather, can you, we all agree at least on that? Well, the answer is probably no, because you'd have to grant the premise in order to agree with the uh, uh, with the uh, outcome. But nonetheless, that's sort of the highlight of what took place yesterday. Now, today, Republicans uh, have the opportunity. They have 16 hours to present their case. I sh shouldn't say Republicans. The president's defenders have 16 hours to present their case. My understanding is that they intend to wrap today, so they'll take considerably less than 16 hours. And um, uh, then a vote is expected on whether or not to impeach former president, now citizen Donald Trump, um, before the weekend has come to a close. Now, we won't be on the air, uh, but we'll know the uh, outcome, I'm guessing, before the holiday on Monday.
Meanwhile, uh, Governor Cuomo is facing potential probe calling for the ouster after a bombshell report on the states on that state's nursing home deaths. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's political career was potentially in jeopardy after a top aide told state level Democrats that Cuomo's administration had indeed withheld data on coronavirus deaths at the state's nursing homes, and there was an effort to cover it up. The purpose, Cuomo's secretary, Melissa DeRosa, said, was to shield the Democrats' administration from federal scrutiny from the Trump administration, according to the New York Post. Now, Republicans were outraged. U.S. Representative Lee Zeldin, a Republican out of New York, called a Justice Department uh, for a Justice Department investigation. The families of thousands of dead New York seniors deserve accountability and justice for the true consequences of Governor Cuomo's fatally flawed nursing home policy and the continued attempts to cover it up. It's clear what happened here is criminal, Zeldin said. Well, the Post report um, coincided with a second correction from state officials in as many weeks about underreported nursing home deaths. U.S. Representative Elise Stefanek demanded that Cuomo and his senior team be prosecuted immediately in connection with DeRosa's revelations. And other developments, the uh, the governor's uh, governor rather headed to Washington to meet with President Biden on Friday as New York nursing home scandal explodes. How to save his political career? Janice Dean said people should go to jail over New York nursing home deaths. Um, Dean lost two parents in laws uh, to nursing home folly, saying Cuomo's COVID nursing home policies robbed my in laws of their 60th wedding anniversary. Anniversary, And a Cuomo advisor told hospitals that uh, the medical staff must be prioritized over the elderly. Mayor de Blasio has joined calls for Governor Cuomo to lose emergency powers. In other news, Josh Hawley is ripping the uh, Trump impeachment session as a kangaroo trial, saying U.S. um, saying rather uh, that uh, congressional Democrats on Thursday accusing them of staging a kangaroo t- uh, trial in the Senate this week in a bid to convict former President Donald Trump on the charge of inciting an insurrection is, in fact, a kangaroo court. It's totally unconstitutional and it is incredibly selfish on the part of the Democrats who are pursuing their own personal politi- political vendetta here. Holly was uh, being interviewed by Harris Faulkner on Fox News. He went on to say the Constitution does not permit them to do what they are trying to do. Thursday marked the third and final day that Democrats made their case against Donald Trump, whom the party accuses of encouraging his supporters to attack the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, the same day that Congress was voting on whether to certify the Electoral College. Republicans have argued that Trump was exercising his First Amendment right to free speech when he addressed the rally and the crowd in Washington. Democrats have countered that Trump bears responsibility for the ensuing Capitol attack, which led to several deaths. Uh, There are now questions being raised about whether or not there was a direct responsibility in the uh, death of um, Officer Sicknick, a rather interesting uh, report as to what actually the cause of death was. I'm trying to follow that and we'll provide information if I can get something reliable. By the way, Trump's defense team uh, began today to rebut the arguments against uh, Democrats um, that they are making at trial in the fourth day of this impeachment effort. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a few moments and take a look at the lighter side of the news that's coming up. We'll also try to find out what's going to happen next with Snowvid 21 or Snowdemic. 
<laughs> That's coming up with James Blend a bit later in the program. Also, second hour, we'll take a listen to the Christian outlook on the Supreme Court's decision to relax restrictions on indoor worship services in California. The future of women's sports and the disinformation and domestic extremism that the realities are is supposed to help absolve us of. Again, returning to some of the uh, headlines, Howard Kurt says that the Democrats have staged a television show hoping to define the Trump um, Trump's for history, so going beyond an impeachment. And Sean Hannity is accusing Democrats of inciting violence toward Republicans. Where was the outrage then, he says. Laura Ingram says the rabid partisan Raskin has been appointed uh, as the latest anti-Trump hero by the media, rather anointed. And Senator Rand Paul says House managers never made their case that Trump incited capital violence. Well, we'll find out at the end of this uh, whole thing. Well, the anti-Trump Lincoln Project is facing fierce backlash, being accused of publishing ex-members' private messages. The project, which was a political group composed of anti-Trump Republicans, was facing intense backlash and potentially major legal trouble after it was accused of publishing screenshots of private messages belonging to Jennifer Horn, one of the group's co-founders. Horn, who left the Lincoln Project last week, has had a public spat with the group ever since her departure. But the Lincoln Project escalated tensions on Thursday night with tweets that appeared to show an exchange she uh, had with 19 News correspondent Amanda Becker. Earlier this evening, we became aware that the Amanda Becker of 19 News was uh, preparing to publish a smear job on the Lincoln Project with the help of N.H. Jennifer. The Lincoln Project began in a lengthy thread. You hear a lot of talk about hit jobs in journalism, but rarely do you get to see their origin story. Enjoy. Well, former group member George Conway condemned the posting of the tweets as a potential violation of federal law. In other developments, a new report alleges uh, Lincoln Project founders were warned about John Weaver's predatory behavior, but did nothing. And that Lincoln Project spoke up only when it couldn't avoid the story any longer. Ex-Lincoln Project members are calling for an independent probe into the Weaver allegation, saying more victims are reaching out. And an Alabama execution has been canceled after an inmate's fight for a pastor in the execution chamber. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki is backpedaling after President Biden is facing pretty much a lot of heat for his school reopening plan. And that's in quotes because it's anything but. Well, gas prices have hit their highest in 12 months as progressives and celebrities are pressuring the Biden to uh, the president rather to do more. And Biden says China will eat our lunch after he downplayed the threat in 2019. America's first 3D printed house is for sale outside of New York City, and the Justice Department has subpoenaed Robin Hood and others in the GameStop probe. Republicans are demanding an investigation into California's unemployment scandal, and a U.S. House committee has approved another $14 billion for pandemic-hit airlines. House Democrats have concluded that President Trump's impeachment case, warning of potential violence if Republicans refuse to conflict, convict rather. So you have House Democrats who have concluded their presentation, warning of potential violence if Republicans refuse to convict. Now, will they be held responsible for that violence by making reference to it? Are they calling for it? It's rather interesting days. Speaker Pelosi says officers who protected the Capitol will get a congressional gold medal. Remember back in January when President or then candidate Biden said the Capitol police were racist? My, how partisan politics changes things. They're useful now. Well, an aide to Governor Cuomo has admitted they uh, hid nursing home data so feds wouldn't find out. 
And Senator Chuck Schumer has left the door open to a 14th Amendment measure to bar former President Trump from office. So this may not be over when it's over. A new gun trafficking bill could cripple the legal firearms market. And Speaker Pelosi has banned a congresswoman's military officer's son from attending her swearing in. Attorney General Barr quashed a plea deal for the fired, now fired, officer Derek Chauvin in the death of George Floyd. Of course, you didn't read about it because that didn't really fit the narrative. Speaker Pelosi is, um, I think I already mentioned that. The Biden administration has finalized a deal for 200 million vaccine doses from Pfizer and Moderna. I'll clap when it actually happens. And President Biden says the U.S. will have enough vaccine for 300 million people by the end of July. Again, I'll clap at the end of July if it happens. The White House is considering domestic travel bans to stop the coronavirus mutations surge. And um, White House Press Secretary Saki is admitting parents shouldn't be satisfied with in-person school one day a week even as President Biden slow walks his promise for reopening. And the CDC is considering classifying schools into color-coded zones for reopening. Not sure what that means. As I mentioned earlier, gas prices are up 18% since Biden took office just, what, days ago? And Twitter has permanently banned the Project Veritas account, and the list grows. China has banned the BBC after a harrowing report on atrocities against the Uyghurs. That's what you do in a communist country. You just shut up your opponents, Twitter. So sad, sexting, unwanted touching, spiritual abuse, and rape. That's the devastating report on Ravi Zacharias that has now been released. So sad is an understatement. Berkeley dorms are being guarded by police officers who will only allow students to go out to eat, use the restroom, or get a COVID-19 test. What a great college experience they're having. And France is seeing a new foreign threat out-of-control, woke leftism from American campuses. Well, unsurprisingly, Hollywood has displayed bold hypocrisy in the firing of conservative actress Carano. Charles Cook points out that, as has become typical, the justification for the firing is not only slippery, it's reflective of a glaring double standard that its um, architects are not even attempting to hide. It turns out the man who plays the Mandalorian tweeted something similar to Carano, but with a liberal spin, so Disney was okay with it. The left makes Nazi comparisons daily, but they aren't canceled for it. The hypocrisy in entertainment industry didn't end there, of course. From the Daily Wire, James Gunn, director of Disney's Guardians of the Galaxy, appeared to support attacks on conservative actress Gina Carano after she was fired by Disney late last um, last night following things that she wrote on social media. Gunn, you may remember, was fired for posts making crude jokes about rape and pedophilia. Jerry Bauer this is, says that this is a cowardly and nauseating purity cult. There is nothing in this article which shows her posting anything remotely worthy of being fired. This is basically a Twitter-driven mob purge dynamics. If Disney had uh, any shame, it would be deeply ashamed of this. Ted Cruz says Texan Gina Carano broke barriers in the Star Wars universe. Not a princess, not a victim, not some emotionally tortured Jedi. She played a woman who kicked, well something, and who girls looked up to. She was instrumental in making Star Wars fun again. Of course, Disney canceled her. Mario Cuomo's aides are admitting they did hide nursing home data from the feds. Governor Cuomo's top aide privately apologized to Democratic lawmakers for withholding the state's nursing home death toll from COVID-19, telling them, well, we froze out 
out of fear the true numbers would be used against us by federal prosecutors, the Post has learned. In other words, accountability might actually hold us accountable. From another story, more than 9,000 recovering coronavirus patients in New York State were released from hospitals into nursing homes early in the uh, pandemic under a controversial directive that was scrapped amid criticism. It accelerated outbreaks, according to new records obtained by the Associated Press. Well, Democrats are looking to censor as some next phrase, rather censor as next phrase, um, keep saying phrase, but I'm trying to say phase in the Trump obsession. So let me try that again. Democrats are looking to censure as the next phase in the Trump obsession, realizing the Senate will almost surely acquit. One other option, as I mentioned earlier, the 14th Amendment will continue to follow that story as it most assuredly will develop. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. There's a lot of news, so we're going to try to cover as much of it as we can. We'll slip in some lighter side of the news as well, so stay with us. Also, James Blend will join us to talk about Snowvid 21, or maybe Snowdemic. What's next with regard to the weather? You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show, just trying to work my way through some of the news and headlines of the day. Well, the White House can't seem to get the, um, the story right, the story straight on schools and COVID with the embarrassment of now clearing, clearly ignoring science and the CDC experts when it comes to schools. The administration is sending mixed messages that aren't at all clear. Kimberly Strassel notes that the Biden administration is simply riding the coattails of Trump's work on the virus. Steve Scalise points out that in Biden's first month, he opened the southern border to super spreader caravans, but now he wants to close down Florida. Biden's agenda, open borders, shut down states, shut down schools, shut down energy jobs. What a joke. Americans deserve better. And President Biden is threatening to lock down Florida while the governor DeSantis warns we will not back down. Uh, DeSantis, who is Florida's governor, of course, said, if you think about it, restricting the rights of Americans to travel freely throughout our country while allowing illegal aliens to pour across the southern border unmolested would be ridiculous, but very damaging force. So we will oppose it 100 percent. It would not be based on science. It would purely be a political attack against the people of Florida. So more on that story. Abigail Shire in a tweet says that big media is paying fact checkers to help justify censoring conservatives. She shows how the process works to uh, get her content censored. And Robert George says Abigail Shire exposed not only the hypocrisy, but the corruption of the media's big tech complex. It's stunning. Um, and you can follow her on Twitter and follow that thread. Well, this day in history, 1999, the Senate votes to acquit President Bill Clinton of impeachment charges of perjury and obstruction of justice. 1809, Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States, is born in a log cabin in Hardin, now LaRue County, Kentucky. 1909, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People is founded. And 1973, on this day in history, Operation Homecoming begins as the first release of American prisoners of war from the Vietnam conflict takes place. Well, James, I'm going to ask you to join us right now because we are in the midst of what could be referred to as um, a lot of things. One of our uh, former co-workers referred to the snowstorm we're seeing as Snowvid 21. Uh, you refer to it as Snowdemic, but whatever it is, it seems to be continuing. Now, where I live in uh, northeast Portland, we've had steady snow, kind of the powdery stuff. I haven't been outside to see if it's you know frozen or anything, but we're in the midst of a weather event and you are the weather nerd. 
What are your thoughts on what's happening and what's going to happen over the next couple of days? Yeah, I mean, we're basically going to get snowdemic. Um, and, you know, it, it, lest anyone think otherwise, this is we, we're making light of the terms that uh, are used to describe snowstorms that are way <laughs> out there like snowmageddon. Uh, you know, it's like it's not Armageddon with snow. It, it's just a snowstorm, people. Uh, we're definitely not making light of the virus itself nor the pandemic. It just these are the types of terms. I'm surprised they're not being used, quite frankly, especially snowdemic. Uh, but uh, here we are uh, in essentially day two, and uh, we're going to see a lot more snow tonight. Uh, some places we're going to see ice and uh, the 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 people that I follow. I mentioned Mark Nelson yesterday, the National Weather Service as well. Um, the um, they're all pretty much well aligned with, you know, where we're at, at least, you know, you and I, Georgine, a couple miles apart, um, you know, four to eight inches of snow and uh, more towards my side than yours, uh, a healthy dose of ice. So, I mean, this is going to get a lot uglier than it is right now before it gets pretty come late Monday at this point. Yeah. Uh, two things come to mind. One is freezing rain. That's always kind of a scary thing, ice and freezing yep. rain. And the other is when is this weather event over? Are we all going to be driving on um, dry pavement, meaning no snow accumulation or ice on Monday? Or is this going to – are they saying it's going to prolong into uh, – later into the week they, they are saying now of course the good thing is for most of metro area being monday that is you know it is a national holiday the, the commute will be much less than it typically would be even in these you know covid work from home times uh what i'm seeing from specifically from mark nelson is he expects an effect on the morning commute on monday um, so, uh, if you, if you're traveling, if you have to travel into work on Monday and you don't have the option of working from home, you're definitely going to want to allow for some extra time, um, on Monday, uh, specifically for your way in. He doesn't indicate anything, um, from, um, as far as, you know, the, the afternoon commute goes, but the thing that's kind of poked its head into here that we didn't mention yesterday and wasn't really mentioned yesterday is, um, there is um, going to be potentially around three Sunday night. Wow. So it sounds like it's uh, it, it's not going to be more towards what we experienced last night than what we'll experience tonight. But uh, just as things start to get better on uh, Saturday afternoon going into Sunday, it'll pop back up a little bit. So that's part of what is going to affect that Monday commute up here from what I'm reading anyway. Yeah, and that of course is subject to change as the weather changes. We as like the wind we howls. Know. Yeah, we like to think that we have certainty about these things, but you know, uh, we're not the ones calling the shots. But I appreciate the insight of meteorologists and weather geeks and so on who can give us some idea of what to expect. I mentioned yesterday my only concern was that on Saturday there was going to be a little parade to celebrate my great niece. No, my great nephew, grand nephew. I think he's my grand nephew. My sister's grandson. So that makes me a grand. I'll sort it out. Anyway, the parade is probably not going to happen now, but today ha actually happens to be his birthday. So I wanted to say happy birthday to my sweet, sweet, sweet five-year-old nephew, Tice, celebrating five years today. Aww. All right, James, let's take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. And I wanted to begin by just looking at some of the headlines from Babylon B. I'm not going to go into the articles, but if you are a subscriber, you've, you've seen them. If you're not, check them out because they help us to laugh through some of the more serious matters that we face um, as we're trying to contemplate what the future looks like. One of the headlines is um, 
the Babylon Bee Guide to Being Woke. And again, I'm not going to read the um, article, but it starts out by saying being woke is very important in order to show that uh, the world that you're a good person and also to avoid having your entire life wrecked by a Twitter mob. So if you're interested in, you know, protecting yourself, the Babylon Bee Guide to Being Woke, you might want to check that out. Here's some of the headlines. To prove cancel culture doesn't exist, Disney fires actress who condemned cancer, or rather cancel culture. Good job, Disney. Gina Carano rehired by Disney after she identifies and is, as an abusive male director. <laughs> Ouch. Public school teachers looking forward to summer break after a long year of watching Netflix. Bernie Sanders comes out against $15 minimum wage after finding out it requires at least an hour's work. Per new health guidelines, Mandalorian will wear three masks next season. And finally, progressives, uh, progressive rather, singular, pleased to discover that hell has no climate change. <laughs> Love the Babylon Bee. I did, I, did, I did see those. And yeah, the Babylon Bee, especially when uh, you know, there are stories that are particularly uh, you know, rough and tumble and uh, tiring and uh, uh, draining, if you will, that uh, you know, able to find some funny in it that the talent that takes. I, I you know, not yeah. only enjoy it greatly, but I, I applaud the talent that it takes to put that that type of uh, quality together on a regular basis. And uh, I thought they got an interesting endorsement this week on Twitter, uh, the onion, which of course is well known as a satire, yeah. you, know, you know, the granddaddy of, of satire websites based on news. And uh, they had put a, um, um, a, an article up about uh, Elon Musk from, uh, you know, Tesla and all that, uh, all those different companies, and uh, Elon Musk responded, uh, "Hey, you guys, have you read the Babylon Bee lately?" <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an endorsement. So yeah, he they, clearly they has a preference. Out, uh, they point out the absurd absurdity of our culture in a way that I think most of us, even if we're on one or the other side of the issue, has has to acknowledge. And and that's the, the, also the cool thing I like about the Babylon Bee. You know, sometimes we as as Christians, we could do some goofy stuff. And they don't hesitate to make us look goofy for the goofy things that maybe we ought not be doing. So well, I, I appreciate that. We make that. ourselves. Look oh, goofy. absolutely. Yeah. Pointed out. So like That's what I'm. Oh, opportunity offender. Exactly. My point. Yes. Thank you for <laughs> yeah. wording it better than me. <laughs> we're going to need to take a break, but we'll continue. Uh, we're going to look at the lighter side of the news for the remainder of this hour. And then in the second hour through the Christian outlook, we'll take a look at the Supreme Court's decision to relax restrictions. I can say that relax restrictions in outdoor services in California, the future of women's sports and uh, disinformation and domestic extremism. And they want to tackle it with the realities are under the president's administration. That's all coming up in a few moments. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to try to take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. So I've invited James Blend to join me to do just that. I think you brought this story to my attention, James. It was about a Texas lawyer's technical snafu during a court hearing. It was conducted on Zoom. It led <laughs> to a lot of catty comments. Apparently, the lawyer got stuck in a cat filter mode. Uh, during a Zoom trial uh, in which he had to keep commenting, I'm, I'm not a cat. <laughs> these filters and things that are going on in these Zoom and other uh, calls that allow us to uh, continue doing work as needed really can produce some some funny outcomes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of us have been doing Zoom meetings even at the station. We, we use Zoom on a mm -hmm. fairly regular basis. And, uh, you know, I, I've never had a filter 
um, problem. I have had problems with backgrounds where my shirt uh, started absorbing some of the uh, background picture that was supposed to be behind me. Uh, and then my head disappeared. I've had that happen once. Um, and so I had to shut that off pretty quick. And uh, otherwise, the most regular thing is that uh, whether it be a meeting or a uh, or a record session for this show or whatever, uh, I do have regular cameos uh, by my, my five-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Which I always love. And yes. for those who aren't familiar with a, a filter, um, in this case, the, the attorney who is in court before a judge had a cat filter. It superimposes the image of, in this case, a cat covering the attorney's face during the proceedings. And that, of course, led to an amusing exchange with the judge. Mr. Ponton, uh, the judge said... I believe you have a filter turn on your video setting. Uh, can you hear me, Judge? The attorney said. I can hear you. I think it's a filter, however. Well, the attorney agreed and explained the situation. I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here, and she's trying to remove it, but um, I'm prepared, <laughs> prepared to go forward. Uh, I'm here uh, live. I'm not a cat. Well, it went forward because apparently they had some difficult. I wouldn't know how to remove a thing, I don't think. They had to move forward because, well, that's just <laughs> the way it was. Meanwhile, you know, last weekend was the Super Bowl. I know you're not into um, NFL football, but uh, there are alternatives for people who are interested. Fur flew ahead of the Super Bowl as 70 puppies competed in the Puppy Bowl to encourage animal adoptions. And I'm not sure they have who to mask watched up? it, but it's... It's, I don't know if they did or not. Well, Team Rough and Fluff faced off in the 16th annual event with actor Don, uh, rather Dan um, Shatner acting as referee. The puppies chased soft toys, each other, uh, and other things around a football field during a three-hour event. I can't think of anything I would like to see less than that. But due to COVID-19, the National Football League's championship game at the at the home of the Tampa Buccaneers uh, only held about 22,000 spectators, a third of their capacity when they uh, played the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the Puppy Bowl was pre-recorded. The animals uh, featured are normally all adopted before the Supreme or the Supreme Court before the Super Bowl, and the show streamed on um, a number of outlets. But I don't understand the connection. Why that would seem appealing to anyone watching a bunch of dogs run around on a football field, looking fluffy and cute, I guess. I I don't get that one either. I've never quite understood because obviously, as you mentioned, it's a an annual event and not one I've ever. I mean, I've certainly seen commercials for it over the years, but uh, never actually watched it. Uh, I did. I I went traditional. I watched the game. Uh, oh, you did. And, oh, yeah. I watch. I I usually watch. I mean, I'm a little more attentive in the very, very, very rare instances where my team is in it, but. Uh, that's that's why you don't think I'm that into football is because my team almost never makes it. Yeah. Uh, so I have no reason to be excited this time of year. Uh, but uh, I did watch the game uh, mainly for the commercials, I'll, I'll be honest, which were intrinsically disappointing this year. Yeah, I think there was a lot of disappointment. It wasn't a very exciting game. The halftime show was lackluster and the commercials were eh. a lot of times I'm, I struggle to figure out, OK, what is it that you want me to do? What's the product you're promoting here? And why would what you just presented to me make me want to, you know, jump in the car and go buy it? I, I just thought it was disappointing all the way around. Oh, well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm sure the TV networks were probably not happy with it either because that was a about two, 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 three minutes into the second half, it pretty much became a turnoff game. Yeah. 
sadly. Well, a shawarma shop in Moscow was forced to close a day after it opened, following an outcry over its provocative Joseph Stalin-themed branding. That's according to the shop owner. The Stalin Donor Shop, D-O-N-E-R, maybe it's Donner, I don't know, featured a portrait of the controversial communist leader above its front door. Inside, a man dressed in a Stalin-era security service uniform served customers meat wraps named after Soviet leaders. We fully opened the day before yesterday and served around 200 customers, the shop owner said. There were no legal reasons to close the shop, but said that police had forced him to remove the Stalin sign and then colossal pressure from local authorities forced him to shut completely. The branding was hotly debated on social media, with some commentators condemning it as distasteful. Oh, you think? Stalin's rule, of course, was marked by mass repression, labor camps and famine. Nearly 700,000 people were executed during the Great Terror from 36 to 38. That's 1936 to 38 according to conservative official estimates. Lots of the former Soviet Union still regard him primarily as the leader who defeated Nazi Germany in the Second World War. That ensures the country's ensured, they believe, the country's very existence. I had expected some social media hype, the owner said, but I hadn't expected that all TV stations, all reporters and bloggers would flock here and queue up like they do in front of the Lenin mausoleum. Apparently, Stalin's uh, themed restaurant is no longer... There, the Stalin Donner or Donor shop. So if you're in Moscow, don't look for it. It's closed. Bad wow. taste, good taste, clever. Your thoughts? I, it, it, you know, sometimes clever can be bad taste. And, and, and I, I would say it's probably somewhere in there. It kind of reminds me of when uh, for a long time after the movie was really popular, you could uh, go to the state or county fair and there'd be a giant inflatable slide in the shape of the Titanic sinking. And I always thought that was particularly bad taste. I mean, obviously, a lot of people died in that incident. And here we are having making it a childhood plaything. Um, I, I remember asking a, a person at the fair, is like, next year, do you plan to have the Twin Towers? And they looked at me like I had just said something horrific. It's no different. A lot of people died. And, yeah. they, you know, and thankfully, uh, over time, the, that uh, particular slide has... Uh, faded into the past but uh you know it was a clever idea but it was in horrifically bad taste yeah sometimes good taste. ideas should just stay ideas you know tiktok has spawned a number of rather controversial practices one of which most recently involved styling hair with gorilla glue Oof. i think it's adding extensions for the most part uh, one woman did it and um, with horrific uh, results, and she's considering a lawsuit, although suing Gorilla Glue for producing a product that has nothing to do with hair <laughs> is, uh, you know, uh, is one thing. But Tessica, that's her name, Tessica Brown, the Louisiana woman who styled her hair with Gorilla Glue and later sought medical treatment for her hardened head of hair, says so she may soon file suit against the makers of the product. Uh, she had originally shared her story last week in a TikTok video viewed by nearly 21 million um, as of Tuesday morning. In it, she admitted to using Gorilla Glue, uh, glue spray adhesive on her head after running out of her preferred brand of hairspray. Now, why would you use glue? In anyway, she alleged that she hadn't been able to remove the glue since spraying it on her due about a month before and ultimately it took uh, she took herself to the emergency room over the weekend where they apparently instructed her to use uh, sterilized water and nail polish remover 
to remove the adhesive. Well, according to the photo she shared on Instagram. Then on Sunday, she shared a YouTube of another woman helping to apply the, uh, the pads to her scalp while she wiped away tears and at one point winced in pain. Well, it's, uh, the story has gotten much bigger since then. You have medical professionals who are saying this is a really bad idea. Um, it, apparently removing it, which took some time, um, was very painful for her. And whoever inspired this on TikTok, it's been a few weeks ago, uh, this was an actual hairdresser who was adding extensions to his client's head using Gorilla Glue has uh, backtracked on the whole thing. TikTok is not a great place to uh, to go for advice on, well, virtually anything. You might go there for a laugh. Advice? Nah, I wouldn't uh, take up the challenges that are so common there. No, and it's so easy to edit those videos to make it look like you're doing something that you're not, that, uh, you know, just because it's like, hey, I'm putting Gorilla Glue in, in you know, in, in my hair doesn't mean you're actually, even if it looks like it's coming from a bottle of Gorilla Glue, anything, you know, technology is a beautiful thing. Uh, you can make something look, you know, way more interesting and uh, dynamic than it really is. So it's it's it hard to even is, trust yeah. a video that you see, even to be what it claims to represent. But people do exactly what they see. They and sure do. Dire consequences. Hey, we are out of time. We need to take a break for news and traffic here at the top of the hour. When we come back, we'll share the Christian outlook. We'll talk about the Supreme Court's decision on California churches, the future of women's sports, and realities are. Do we really need one? And what does it mean? Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.